Welcome back to the One Two Kentucky Blue Podcast. I'm your host, Coach John Spurlock. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, my guest is the Director of Strength and Conditioning at Eastern Connecticut State University. She is also a former strength and conditioning coach at the University of Kentucky. Coach Jeannie Rank Dog Rankin. <laughs> Appreciate the nickname from back in the day. Oh, yeah. I had to bring that back. How are you doing, Rankin? Pretty good. How are you guys? We're doing very well. Doing very well in the state of Kentucky. What's the weather like? in Connecticut? Well, it's been um, constantly kind of dreary and cold since I've moved up here, I feel like. It's not uh, it's not the same weather that I was used to from Kentucky, and it's definitely uh, challenging me as, a, as an Oklahoman. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's supposed to rain all day, so that's great. That's what I was going to say. You started, you, you grew up in Oklahoma. You <laughs> finished your college career in Oklahoma. You came to Kentucky, where it's, you know, a little bit colder. We got some ice and a lot of, little bit more snow than Oklahoma gets, and then you moved to Connecticut, where it's yep. really cold. Yep. Yeah, I kept on, when I moved from uh, Kansas City to Lexington, I was like, this is the furthest north I'm ever going to be. Kansas City and Lexington are cold enough for me. And, you know, life takes you different directions. So I ended up in Connecticut. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you're there with your wife, Vanessa, yep. and all your animals. Things are going good in Connecticut? Yeah, it's been, um, it's been a different experience. Um, obviously, at a different uh, kind of school than Kentucky was, but it's been a really good challenge for me <clears throat> at this point in my life, and I've really enjoyed it. So. Awesome. So the reason I wanted to bring you on the podcast is you are speaking at our national conference, the CSCCA. Uh, national conference was supposed to be in Orlando this year, but, but because of everything that has happened with the coronavirus, that has now moved to a virtual platform. But you are speaking, and I think that's super cool. And the title of your presentation is The Cares and Concerns of the Female Strength Conditioning Coach. So I just wanted to bring you on, talk about um, maybe just the experience. Obviously, if we were in Orlando, and that was going to be coming up in a few weeks, mm -hmm that it was going to be um, pretty nerve wracking, I would assume. I have never spoke at a national conference. I've spoke at the state level, but just knowing that you know, I was probably speaking in front of dozens of people, um, it, just having my peers in the audience, you were gonna speak on the national level with possibly hundreds uh, of people sitting there staring at you. What were your thoughts going into this presentation before it turned virtual? Yep, well, I mean, I, this is kind of something I've been thinking about for a little while, um, just kind of the obstacles that um, women face in the field, and honestly, that all of us face in the field. It's not just a female issue. Some of the things I bring up are, you know, issues with our, within our field in general. Um, but I got a call from a um, guy who works for a newspaper back in, I think it was this, I think it was, uh, sorry, September of 2019, and there was a female being hired for um, an NBA team, and he wanted to do an article on uh, some of the issues that women face in the field, and it got me to think, like, man, it's time to start putting thoughts on a piece of paper, um, and then I actually got an um, email from Ethan Reeve, who is um, on the board with the CSCCA, asking if I wanted to be a part of this roundtable, or if I'd want to be a part of other roundtables, and my thought was just go ahead and respond yes before you've got a chance to start thinking no. Um, so I pretty much answered, answered really quickly, um, said I'd love to do it. I think I've got a lot to bring to the table. Um, and so that kind of sparked that and I've been doing some research since then. 
Um, <clears throat> I was really excited about it being a round table. I thought it was going to be uh, really good that way. And I had a good handful of women I really respect in the field who were going to be helping facilitate discussions. Um, but, you know, if there's one thing I've learned from playing sports and, you know, as a goalkeeper all through uh, high school and college and all that is you got to work with what you're given. Um, that's what I think we do as strength coaches too, is we just work with the circumstances we're given and we make the best of it. Um, and so I said, okay, I'll change it to a traditional presentation and I'm finding a different way of reaching an audience that way. Um, and I think we can do a round table next year where we, get, where we do get to have that face-to-face um, -face conversation and it's a little bit more personal. So I'm excited about it either way, definitely different, um, but you know, that's life. You know, one thing, and I'm just thinking off the top of my head, I didn't realize it was going to be a round table at first, mm -hmm. um, but even, you know, so many people with the situation that we're in are doing Zoom calls. And I think you sent me, after I asked you to be on this podcast, you sent me, I think Play was putting it on with yep. uh, the female strength coaches, and that was a round table. Yep. So maybe even after you give your presentation, have you recorded it yet? No, I record it next Monday. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking maybe after that presentation gets out and people are able to view it, that might spur some conversation amongst uh, professionals in the field. And then maybe you could facilitate a roundtable after that. Yeah. Um, what's kind of funny following that up is that uh, that was one of the things I thought this was really lacking because it's one thing to present something like this. Um, and it's not your normal like X's and O's of swimming or football, you know, where we all have different thoughts. It's kind of a different issue. Um, and so I want to have that discussion. So that was actually something I uh, brought up to uh, Kathy Crow Wagner down at UTA, who we're all, uh, you know, obviously friends with. She's on the board of directors and she brought it up to the CSCCA. And that's why they've offered up um, doing Zoom follow-up sessions is to kind of make everything a Q&A or a roundtable afterwards. Um, but I'm going to be more than happy to facilitate any kind of discussion anybody wants to have. If you know anything about me, you know that I'm an open book. Um, I like discussion, discussing issues and I like being very open and honest about things. So yep, it's a, it's a good thought and I'm hoping that a lot of people want to follow up about it. That's a really good thought. I really like that idea doing a Q&A session after you know everybody's had a chance to view the presentations. Um, yeah. So you said you talked to uh, uh, Kathy Crow Wagner at UTA. Have you talked to a lot of other female strength coaches? Obviously you have in the past, but doing your research for this presentation, did you reach out to a lot of people, people you're friends with, people that you might not know that well to kind of get their perspectives? Yep. I um, Actually, I started with um, talking to a couple of my really good friends um, that I've just kind of grown up in the field with and just kind of getting their ideas and perspectives on stuff. Um, and then after that, when I decided I wanted, I decided that I thought the best way to facilitate discussion was to, you know, have a representative at every table. Um, so I reached out to um, all of the female master strength and conditioning coaches in the CSCCA. Um, there's only 20. Um, and so I reached out to all of them, asked them if they'd be uh, willing to help out. Most of them said, yeah, I'd love to, you know, I, I think it's a great way of doing it. Um, so I kind of started sending them all my ideas on what, what we could discuss, what they could contribute. And a lot of them really wanted to kind of give like, hey, this is my perspective um, on what's happened. Um, but the, the cool thing is, too, is none of us want a pity party. You know, that's the furthest thing from what, from what we want. It's just we want to facilitate discussion. So reached out to a lot of them. And then actually one of them... Uh, yesterday put one of her male coworkers in touch with me and I talked to him for 45 minutes um, about kind of some stuff he had on his heart about the whole um, 
uh, topic. Um, and it was really cool talking to him too and getting his perspective on stuff. So have reached out to a good number. It's been uh, mostly females, but that's what I'm excited about for doing a roundtable next year is, is getting everybody in a room and discussing it. So Awesome. So let's kind of get into it. Um, can you kind of give me the, the, the bones of your presentation? What are the cares and concerns of the female strength and conditioning coach? Yeah. Um, so one thing I kind of want to uh, bring up before is that the big thought in my head, um, you know, I, I kind of like you were saying about giving a talk, I've been nervous, but I also, you know, kind of think if I wasn't nervous, then it, it would mean I didn't care as much about it. So I just, what I really want to do is give a good presentation that um, helps present issues and then we can uh, kind of move forward as a group from it. Um, so I was kind of thinking like, man, I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to come out too hard. You know, I want people to listen to it and, and kind of see where I'm coming from. Um, and there's been a lot of pressure thinking about that. But then I kind of started thinking, isn't that part of the problem? Um, you know, I've kind of, during my career, I faced that where it's like, I don't want to offend people. I don't want to step on toes. And I think if you know me, you know that that's not my goal. Um, I'm pretty... I remember my disc assessment when I took it when I was at Kentucky <laughs> um, said that, you know, I like to collaborate. I like to include other people's ideas. I like for people to feel like they're a part of the process. Um, so I think that's just what I'm going to do is, you know, not worry about way too many things. Know that my end goal is to include everyone in the discussion um, and then just kind of go from there. Um, so I really think diversity builds a better team and that's my main goal with the presentation. Um, and I think a lot of people agree with that too. So when I kind of look at the obstacles that um, women in the field face and by no means do I wanna say that all women face it and I also don't wanna say that men don't face some of these same obstacles. Um, but the first one being low representation. Um, so, you know, there's a, there's a saying, you know, if you can see it, you can be it. I think Muffet McGraw started that. Um, Kind of talking about that as she was talking about her staff at Notre Dame with women's basketball. Um, but I kind of think back to where would I be right now if I didn't have Sarah Ramey in my life. Um, she was my strength coach when I was at Colorado. I'd had a couple male strength coaches before that and I had never thought about being a strength coach before uh, Ramey was working with me. Um, so I kind of think if I had never had her, would I even be in this field? Uh, one thing that I think is really cool about Kentucky is that we, you know, we kind of sought out having um, females as interns. Um, so we were looking to just get, you know, female strength coaches on board to help out um, with getting women in the field. And I think uh, that was one really cool thing that we did when I was at Kentucky. Um, and then also speaking about low representation, generally you've got one uh, female on staff. Um, I don't want to say it's a quota necessarily, but that's kind of what it can seem like sometimes is that you've got your one female on staff um, and that's kind of all you need. Then you look at it though, half the athletes we work with at, at the vast majority of schools are females. Um, so just kind of an interesting piece there. Um, one other thing that not only I've dealt with, but pretty much all the women I've talked to, and like I said, not all of them, but most of the women I've talked to, um, we bring up that when we present an idea or a, you know, a theory or a thought, we've got to have more evidence to back it up. Um, so I talked to one uh, female strength coach who's uh, 
been in the field for longer than I have. And she was presenting an idea on training table. Um, and she was told by her administration, hey, I need you to go talk to other people. And she ended up having to kind of substantiate her thoughts by talking to, to four other male directors um, just to kind of get some backup that what she was doing was a good idea. Um, there's some research that I read recently, and this really struck me where it's just kind of a societal issue too, is at age two, little boys um, only take instruction from other little boys, uh, whereas little girls continue to take instruction from boys and girls. Um, that's not something, you know, I don't, I can't imagine that, but I do kind of see it in the workplace now. Um, so just, you know, when you look at a lot of administrations, it's mostly males and you look at sports in general, it's a very, you know, kind of masculine um, culture and that's kind of the way it is. And so it's kind of hard to break into those thoughts. If, if women aren't helping making decisions, then um, our perspective isn't always seen. Um, and then just kind of a couple other things, um, kind of no playing experience in the sport is one thing I've got on there. So football, I can think of uh, one female in the country whose uh, main sport is football. That's Corliss Fingers down at Bethune-Cookman. Men's basketball, and there might be more. Um, men's basketball, I can think of Andrea Hooty at uh, Texas. Um, and then baseball, I know actually Aaron Broke, um, who used to be at Kentucky, had been with baseball, but has recently moved to Purdue. But um, there's a woman named Kelly Dormandy out in California who works with baseball. Um, those are kind of the moneymaker sports in college athletics. Um, so it's hard to break into some of those sports because of lack of playing experience. I mean, I can think of um, football postings where, you know, that's one of the main things they desire is that you played football. Um, and it's uh, kind of hard for most women to break into that field. Um, so since those are money-making sports, tend to be lower pay for a lot of females. Um, I'd like to get a little bit more research to back that up, um, which is kind of something I'm working on right now. Um, but there's more money, obviously, in those revenue sports like men's basketball, football, that type stuff. When you've got lower pay, um, it kind of decreases the longevity in the field. Um, so it makes it so that I think right now about 16% of strength coaches are female. Um, I had mentioned that the master level of the CSCCA, only, we only have 20 females there, which is 10%. Um, and then when you start looking at the number of directors who are ADs, what I've found is it's right around 5%. So it's almost like the longer you, uh, the more years of experience you have, the less females who are in the field. Um, and then just kind of last things, these are, these are pretty female specific, but I do want to talk a little bit about the issues um, that men face too is just starting family because I've known women to get out of the field because they want to start a family. Um, and you know, it's, there's a few things with it, with that, with FMLA, you only get 12 weeks of, uh, leave other than, you know, after that, you've got to start, um, adding vacation time and sick time and stuff like that. I know I've talked to mothers who, um, say it's really hard to leave their baby, um, not emotionally, but also financially. And I've seen that issue within my own family where it's like, if childcare is $25,000 a year, and after taxes, your job only pays you $25,000 a year, well, why not just stay at home with your kids and then you actually get to build a bond with them and raise them yourself? Um, so, you know, I kind of I see that as being a female specific issue. 
Um, but also kind of with that and Spurlock, you know, I, I think you and Dee um, have been the best example I've seen of being fathers while still being strength coaches is, you know, I would think that a lot of fathers would want to spend time with their kids after they're, you know, not only after they're born, but also as they're growing up. But I wonder how much, um, how much people might frown upon that thinking that men are supposed to be at work while, you know, women tend to be the caretakers. Um, so I just think it's this kind of a societal issue that's kind of played out within our field. Um, but then, kind of, you know, after that, that, I don't want to, I don't want to cut you off, yeah, right yeah. Then, but, but like yeah. going to that thought, the situation that we're in now, obviously if we were in normal life and um, you know, obviously it's April, I don't know, April 21st right now, basketball season's well over, but mm -hmm. In late March, I would have been traveling with our basketball team to wherever in the country. D yeah. would have been with our baseball team yeah. traveling, you know, 17 days out of the month. Um, so to have the time that we have now because of the situation we're in to every morning I wake up, Will and I work out together. Yep. Then I'm able to help Finn with his his letters and numbers. And to have this opportunity is, is I, you know, I almost feel extremely grateful for it. Obviously, we're in a terrible situation, right. but kind of to go back to your point that it is so strange for a man to be home this much mm -hmm. um, and having this much interaction with his family. I've heard not so much strength coaches, but other, you know, friends that I have that are, that are men being like, man, I got to get out of the house. I, you know, I can't take this too much. <laughs> and I, I don't have that thought process. Yeah. I, you know, I'm extremely grateful to spend time with my family because I probably will never get an opportunity like this again. Yeah. Um, but you know, D and I are able to have the careers that we have because we have incredibly strong wives that, you know, pick up our slack and do 95% of the work, mm -hmm. um, you know, and just with the stereotypes in society, you know, as a female strength coach, if you have a husband or a spouse that yep. is just as driven as you, it, it's, it's really hard to, you know, push two careers at the same time. And I know you've dealt with that with Vanessa, where you guys were apart for so long because yep. both of you were so driven and, uh, both in college athletics, um, but go back because I was writing this down. So <laughs> in strength and conditioning, you said 16% of all strength coaches are, are women. Yep. I believe that's the stat I found off of, and I'll, I'll make sure my numbers are perfect for my uh, presentation, but that was from the NSCA salary survey back in 2018. Gotcha. And one thing you brought to my attention that I think is incredibly important because all these are, you know, valid concerns, but mm -hmm. when you do have the research to back it up, yeah. to have solid numbers like this, uh, it just, it just sells the point even more. And then well, master's- and I think we're pretty, we're pretty numbers driven as a profession. So I want to be able to present it in both manners, not only statistics, but also kind of real life stories. So absolutely. And then master strength and conditioning coaches through the CSCCA, it was 18% or no, sorry, 10% were winning yep. 10%. Yep. And then athletic directors, it was only 5%. So yep. I just and I'm, I'm, I'm gathering numbers right now on directors. Um, and I'm pretty sure and I'm going to poke around a little bit more, but I'm pretty sure that we have less than 20 women in the entire country at the D1 level who are um, directors or ADs who continue to work with teams. So uh, obviously, Stephanie Simmons at Kentucky is an AD and a former strength coach, um, but I'm only working with uh, ADs that continue to work with teams. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, I know I cut you off there. Uh, no, no. <laughs> keep going keep going this is great stuff. yeah well and those are kind of the you know without without 
you know, over talking the whole situation. Those are the main concerns that I see um, being a female in the field. Um, and, but the bigger thing is that I want to kind of look beyond that. Like, you know, I've always tried to be a problem solver. Like I said, I was a goalkeeper all growing up. Like you get handed all these problems and you're just trying to rearrange the chess pieces and, and help fix them and make it so that you don't get scored on. Um, and I think same thing as a strength coach. We, you know, we're given whatever set of situations we are. I mean, look at right now, we're writing at home workouts, but none of us have sat around to complain about it. We're just trying to figure out how to do the best by our, our athletes that we work with. Um, so kind of the next part of the presentation is what do women bring to the table? Um, or if you want to look at it this way, why do some people find it important to have a female on staff? For some people, unfortunately, it's as basic as uh, fulfilling a quota from administration. And that's something actually I heard a decent amount when I was a little bit younger in the field. Um, not being told that I was hired because I was a quota, um, but I mean, it's it's something that is pushed that you should have a female on staff. I think there are good reasons for it, but I don't think people always um, look at that reason. They just kind of say, all right, well, I'll hire a female. Um, second thing, second reason why it might be important is uh, diversity and diversity of thought. Um, so not just diversity when you look at the staff that you have a female on staff um, or that you have a uh, ethnic diversity on staff, but diversity of thought. Um, so I was talking to um, a guy yesterday who's a strength coach, um, and he was talking about, you know, he didn't have a father figure in his life growing up, so he finds it very easy to look up to his female director, because um, his, his main teacher growing up was his mother, and then all of his teachers in school were females, or at least most of them. So he actually does a better job uh, in his mind of taking advice and criticism and learning lessons from a female. Um, and I think I'd heard Andrea Hootie say that as well, that, you know, that's one of the reasons that she's good with her men's basketball team uh, at Kansas, she was telling me this, um, is because, you know, maybe, maybe that's what they had grown up was a mother, but they didn't have a father. Um, so I think it's very important they have good uh, male role models in college, but also sometimes it's easier to, to connect with a female. Um, we also just have a knowledge and experience with what you generally think of as more female issues. So relationship violence, um, you know, I've had uh, athletes who have had some of that going on, unfortunately. Um, body image issues, I've had athletes come up and talk to me about that stuff um, that maybe they, and I can't say for sure, but maybe they wouldn't have come up and talked to a male strength coach about um, eating disorders and disordered eating. You know, body image and, and eating disorders are not exclusively female issues. It definitely does happen to men. Um, but having a female in the weight room, I do think is important um, so that they can come up and talk to us about that stuff if they find it uh, easier to open up to a female. Um, so just having a female on staff might make some athletes more likely to open up about stuff that's going on. One of the things that um, I know I've talked to my wife about who's a soccer coach up here at UConn is just being a good role model for our student athletes. They love that they've got a female strength coach because they've got another strong female who is a good role model for their athletes. Um, so I think that's one, one thing that a lot of sport coaches would bring up um, for their female athletes. Um, and then the kind of last point I, I make about it is 
I've had an interview before um, where the guy got to hire a brand new staff. He was coming in as a new director and he said, you know, I find it really important um, to have a female on my staff. And it was funny after I got off the phone with him, I started thinking, you know, your actions don't really match up with what you're saying because you have one hire left and you're interviewing me and it's for the lowest paid position. Um, and so just kind of making sure that if it is a priority, if it truly is a priority to have a female on your staff, making sure that it's not the lowest paid position because on a lot of staffs, that's kind of how it is. Um, and if it's the lowest paid position, all I'll say is that it kind of decreases the longevity in the field. If we continue to get paid uh, pretty poorly, you start choosing between, should I raise a family? Should I get out of collegiate strength and conditioning because um, there's more money in the private sector? Like at the end of the day, we all have bills to pay um, and we don't want to be you know, making $35,000 for the rest of our lives. Um, and then just kind of where do we go from here? It's kind of a, a shorter piece, but um, you know, you guys know me, it's, it's if you see something, say something. Um, so even I remember uh, being in, in staff meetings, it's kind of weird here because I am my whole staff, <laughs> um, but staff meetings at previous schools, I tend to, if I look around and I see someone who's being really quiet, it's not because they don't have ideas, it's just because maybe they're a little bit scared to bring them up. Um, so, you know, if you see a female on your staff or a, a soft-spoken male or whatever, someone who seems to be scared to bring stuff up, just directly ask them, hey, you know, do you have anything to add to this conversation? Because a lot of times they do. Um, like I said before, seeking out female interns and just getting more women in the field. And then after that, mentoring and nurturing them. Um, one thing, when I've ever had doubts about how I'm going to make it in this field, I tend to just call someone who's been in the field longer than I have, and they're kind of my sense of inspiration. Um, they keep me in it. Um, other thing being, if you need to make a hire, try to diversify your staff. Um, Spurlock, I know that's something you talked about when I was at Kentucky is, you know, things that you weren't good at, you tried to, to bring somebody on or, uh, you know, bring someone on who could fill those gaps, um, whether it be an intern, a GA, a full-time, whatever, that's what a good boss should do is try to fill those gaps. Um, and then the last thing, you know, as a, as a director and AD and just uh, assistants on staff, we should all be talking and listening to each other, you know, asking each other, what were your obstacles growing up? What do you deal with now? But at the end of the day, it's not just a matter of uh, asking those questions. It's a matter of really, really listening to the person and making sure that they feel they can be very open about what they're saying without there being any repercussions behind it. Um, so I think those are things that a good director, a good coach, a good mentor does anyways, but sometimes I think we need to remind ourselves that uh, it's really important to just sit back and listen to people. Rankin, that is all awesome stuff. Um, you know, Stephen Strobus produces this show. You know Strobus, but yep. he's on the line right now just listening. But whenever we get done with one of these, we always talk about, okay, what was the little piece of nugget? Um, what was the, the, the nugget that you took away from the conversation? And I literally just wrote down like 15 things. And a lot of it is stuff that I know. Yep. Um, and I always felt like when you were on staff, you and I would have those honest conversations yep. where – my point of view might have been um, naive. And then after you and I talked and kind of going back to the diversity of thought that the we would have a conversation, I would see your point of view because one thing I, you know, I'll always tell my female athletes or my female coaches is I am a white male. 
I'm, I have no hair, uh, <laughs> five foot eight on a good day. I will never be a six foot four African-American division one uh, women's basketball player. And it, there, I can relate to a lot of things, but sometimes I can't just because who I am. Um, but going back to your point, I have two ears and one mouth for a, a reason. So I need to make mm -hmm. sure that I'm listening to understand. Um, and then if, you know, my thought is uh, naive or if I need to change my line of thinking, I need to take the thoughts from others and the advice from others um, and then adjust. And I think that's part of what uh, makes somebody a good strength coach. You know, being a good strength coach isn't mm -hmm. because you're white and you're a man. It's not because you're, 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 you're a former football player. It's, it's, you know, how well can you relate to your student athletes, your coaches, the rest of your staff? How can you build a culture that breeds, um, and I'm gonna keep going back to it because I really like the diversity mm -hmm. of thought so that your entire department, your, your teams, your student athletes can all become the best that they can be. Yep, yep. Um, it, and, and I kind of say with that too, like, you know, I think people can appreciate the fact that you can, you can say, hey, I realize that I am this and that I don't know your experiences, but that's why I'm here to listen. Absolutely. Well, that was all great stuff. I'm really looking forward to uh, listening to your presentation um, with the CSCCA National Conference. Uh, I appreciate you coming on, but before you leave, I want to talk with you a little bit about how life is going as a strength coach. Yep. Uh, being in charge of 16 teams that you have at Eastern Connecticut State. Yep. What have you learned? How do you plan on moving forward? Um, just give me your thoughts. Yeah. Well, I remember uh, when I when I made my mind up that I was gonna uh, move up here, um, heard about this job and I heard it was 16 sports and I'm like, oh my gosh, how do you do this? And then I thought back to when I was at UMKC and true, my boss had left for another job and I had all the teams there. Um, and I was really thankful for that experience because it's like, wow, you've done this before. Everything's gonna be fine. You can't, you know, you can't individualize it as much as you did at Kentucky, but you know, I know at the end of the day, I've got good knowledge. Um, I can coach well, I can connect well with my athletes. So it was gonna work out just fine. Um, it's been very different. I don't get to coach up every single uh, group. Um, you know, that would be a lot of hours. Um, and the, the schedule's here just different. They might only do, some teams only do one team lift a week with me and they do the other uh, two lifts um, as small groups. Some teams do it, um, three teams lift, three team lifts with me a week. It's different for every group, but it's been a really good experience getting to, you know, do everything that a director does. I mean, I'm working on scheduling. I've got to sit down and have meetings with every single coach. Um, my AD is great. She just, she's found me over $10,000 to buy equipment for the weight room this year. So I just worked with a uh, life fitness rep to, to uh, order a, a new half-half combo rack and everything that went with it. So I've gotten to do all that type stuff. I've gotten to move the weight room around a little bit. I manage uh, interns, I manage student employees. Um, so it's been really cool getting all those experiences and I get to succeed or fail and then learn from all that. Um, but as far as dealing with the situation now, um, I was kind of like all these Zoom calls I'm in on, I think of it as what am I doing now? And then what would I have done if I was at Kentucky still? Because they're completely different answers. Um, so at the moment, I mean, I know that my, my athletes are struggling a lot with school because there's different platforms that teachers are using. You know, they've got other siblings in the house, so they're getting dropped off Zoom calls. Um, 
you know, there's just so many things going on that I don't want working out to be a major, major stress of their life. So I've heard uh, emails and stuff like that are kind of hard for some of them to get to. So I've tried to kick up my Instagram game. It's been uncomfortable, <laughs> but that's where I'm posting all my workouts right now. Um, and the lifts are, the lifts kind of have a rep range based on what you want. And then with um, conditioning days, it's more of a you know, are you a conditioning based sport like uh, lacrosse or soccer, field hockey, or are you more of a sprint based sport like softball, baseball, um, that type of stuff. So uh, it's been interesting, but I think I'm adjusting just like the rest of us are. Yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely the reality we live in is we had a conversation and it'll probably be the podcast that comes out before yours is mm-hmm. it was myself, D. Brendan McDonald, Stephen Wood, talking about our programming for, um, you know, dealing with COVID-19 and all of our athletes being off campus and just how much we've learned in the past, you know, two weeks, four weeks, fifth week, whatever week we're on and how we, you know, foresee things moving forward as we get into the summer months, which is, you know, a big chunk of the off season for some of our groups. Um, but Rankin, thank you so much for coming on. Like I mentioned before, I'm very excited about listening to your presentation at the CSCCA National Conference. I hope all of our listeners tune in as well. And I think it would be really cool, like you mentioned, to have you know a roundtable or a Q&A after all those presentations get put out there, let yeah. people digest the information, come back and you know uh, a Zoom call like many other strength coaches are doing, and just you know dive a little bit more deeper into. Um, the conversations at hand, but thank you so much for coming on. Yep. I appreciate you guys having me on. All right. We love you ranking. We miss you. Stay safe. Um, everybody out there, like always, if you have any comments or questions for us, reach out to reach out to us on our, at our email address, UK strength at UKY.edu. Thanks and go cats.